So back in um, 1993, the Lord called us back to, well, called me back because I ran away. I saw religion and I didn't like it, amen? I wanted no part of religion. I saw a God that I didn't want to be around, so I ran. 93, God called us, and I've shared this before. And in the end of 1996, God called me to be a, start as a children's pastor. And I was like, <clears throat> and sometimes we look at people and go, well, they're in a position. They are called to a thing. They're doing this or they're doing that. And, but I still had a long way to go. Amen. And I still ain't there yet. And I hear young people sometimes go, oh, I've been with the Lord for three years. I'm ready for whatever there is, and I'm going. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Amen. The first thing we, I, I want to talk about today is, uh, well, let's do this. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's truth, it's life, and it's light. We thank you, Lord, that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, we ask that by your spirit that you would guide us and teach us and open our understanding, that we may comprehend your scriptures, and we ask that you'd fill us with wisdom, knowledge, revelation, understanding, that we may be hearers and doers of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God created Adam in his own image. Amen? In the image and likeness of God, he created Adam. And then God said, uh, the first thing he called not good was that man be alone. And then he created Eve. And we say he took a rib, but it's, when you study that out, it's like more than just a rib. It's like part or half of Adam he took to make Eve. So get this image that God created Adam, and God didn't come with something different to create Eve. He took part or half of Adam and created Eve. So in Adam was the fullness of the image and likeness of God himself. Amen? Amen? But then he took part of that image and likeness, and he put it in Eve. So Adam no longer had the fullness. Now it's Adam and Eve make the fullness. Amen? So when man and woman properly come together by God's calling, however you want to say it, then you begin to, to have the fullness of who God is between the two. Now, I did this little thing. I, I saw this and I was like, this is absolutely crazy. We, uh, just, just me, myself, I'm going to call myself zero, okay? Now, I go back to my parents. There's two parents, right? You have a mother and father. You're zero, or you're one person, but you're zero. 
zero generation, one generation back as my parents, there's two people. You go the next generation back, two generations back, you got what? Four people. This is simple math. Multiply it two every times. Right? Because every person needs mother and father to make one. When you get back 11 generations, 11, oops, 11 generations, basically great times nine grandparents. So you have your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. By the time you get to nine times great-grandparents, take a wild guess in your head on how many people are back on that 11th generation. Not that many. There's 2,048. Eleven generations back, there was 2,048 people to funnel down to you. So it goes 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, 512, 1040, uh, yeah, 1024 and 2048. That's only 11 generations back. Is that crazy? So a total of those people is 4,094 people before you. 4,094 people. That's a bunch of people. Now in that verse, the reason I read that verse uh, 27 is that word male, you all see that? In the image of God, he created him male and female. That word is zakar. In 2145 in the strong, zakar. I guess that's how you say it. I can barely speak English, so I'm, I'm guessing that's right. And if you go back to the, that origin, it's 2142. It's to remember, to recall, to call to mind, to be brought to remembrance, to record or make a memorial. Now think of that. He made male and female. Male, it has to do with a memory. It has to do with remembering. It has to, be with, uh, to do with a, a, a memorial. And how many ways do we make a memorial? And we look in the scriptures, what did God say to do when they crossed the, uh, the, the seas? Take 12 stones and make a memorial. Many times God told them, them to make a memorial, to make a memory of where you came from. And what do we do? We have pictures, we have ancestry of what, where we came from. And sometimes it's good to remember and sometimes it's good we don't remember. Some things we need to just plain old get out of them remembering. Amen? Go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, in this Deuteronomy, it talks about the, basically breaks down the Ten Commandments. Chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 8 through 10. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven and above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water or under the earth you shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I am I the Lord your God and a jealous God 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to their third and fourth generations, to those who hate me, but showing mercy to the thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So what does all this have to do with what we're talking about? 2,048 people back there are 4,094 people total before you. And we wonder sometimes why are we in the position or have the problems that we have? Now some people say, well, well, yeah, but when we're born again, when we come to Jesus, all things have passed away and all, behold, all things become new, right? All things passed away and everything's new. Yes. Accept that which you agree with or continue to act upon. Accept that which you agree with or continue to act upon or in. In other words, these 4,000 plus people before me and just that far back, and every time you go back one generation, you're now going to double it, which means you're over 8,000 people the next one carried on from generation to generation to generation to generation until the blood of Jesus breaks the curse. It's passed down over and over and over and over and over again until we get to where we are today. And then we go, why am I dealing with so much stuff? Because if you remember... So, but when Jesus came and, 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 and I gave my life to the Lord and the blood, yes, but how many of you are perfect? Maybe if I get up a little higher, I can see. So therefore, if you're not perfect, then you still have something going on and you have to figure out what that going on is. See, it's about the spirit realm. Church, we need to understand how the spirit realm operates and functions in our lives. So we're talking this morning about taking the land, about taking, coming to the place of freedom, amen? About what God's going to do. And I said this, I said, but this land here has to be dealt with first. Because if this isn't dealt with, we'll never deal with that. And that's part of the problem of the church has been, is the church hasn't dealt with itself. We've allowed this religious mindset to come in and lull us to sleep. Rock-a-bye, church. We'll just let the government do this, and we'll just let the government do that, and we'll just give this over and give that over, and we'll just sit back and have our little sermon on Sundays and hallelujah and go home and continue on and... Uh, sin and the garbage that we've been living in. Why is the world in the shape that it's in today? It's not because of the world. That's natural of the world. It's because of the church. Because the church has allowed it to be that way. So now we're going to face a time of the Lord, kind of like after in, in Acts, when the Lord started having them pushed out. All right, people, it's time to go out and do we're kind of get, going to get in a, a place of being forced out to do what he's called us to do. Well, I don't like that. No. But we sat back on our laurels too long. 
I don't know where Hardy was, but we were, anyways. But we need to understand the spirit realm and how things operate and function in our lives. The word says, and you all know this, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, right? So these are things that are inside of us, these powers and principalities and these things that operate inside of us, and we wonder where they came from, and they came from all them people behind us that never served God. Now we get to this place and we say, I'm at the cross, and yes, things break, but now we're still dealing with stuff. And the stuff that we're dealing with, a lot of times we don't even realize. Why? Because it's natural. The environment that you grew up in, whoever raised you and how they acted, how they did things, you know, y'all have heard about the, the woman who called her mom and says, Mom, I... Uh, you know, how do you cook that roast? And the mom says, well, you cut the end off and, you know, and all this stuff. And why do you cut the end off to come to find out? Because grandma, the great, great, whatever grandma, didn't have a pan big enough for the whole roast, so she cut it off so it fit in the pan. But they continued in that thing, not knowing why they were doing it. And it became a generational thing for no reason. See, it says that the curses are passed down three to four generations. Amen, right? Isn't that what God says? Now, as far as I know, Jesus says that the commandments are fulfilled in this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbors as yourself. Yes, the first uh, four commandments, I believe it is, are focused on God, and the other six are focused on man. So if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, the first four are covered. If you love your, your neighbor as yourself, the other six are covered because you're not doing those things. But these principles still lie and are true. So there are generational curses. Some are passed down through the blood. Some are just learned. In other words, my parents probably didn't do everything. Well, my parents didn't do everything right. And the things that they didn't do right, if I learned those ways and I continued in them, basically it's, it's a learned curse. Hello? Something you learned to do. Something that you carried on that wasn't of God. Because if it's not a blessing, then it's obviously a curse. And if it's not done, if it's something that you're not doing uh, by the Spirit of God, with the love of God, then it's, it could be the other side. So we continue on with these things because we agree with them because they bypass the brain because they're natural to us. See, my wife's from Cuba, and I'll tell you all a little secret. We don't see eye to eye on everything. Now, I know all you other married people see eye to eye on everything, right? It's just perfect and flowers and butterflies all the time, right? And sometimes I go, what in the world are you talking about, woman? I don't understand you. She goes, I don't understand you either, so we're even. But God gave me a woman that buffered, buffed, rubbed against me. Why did he do that? Why does he do those things? 
Okay, I'm going to say this. Y'all can ask me later. The word soulmate, please take it and scratch it. Stop. There's many things that have entered the church because of new age stuff. Soulmate's one of them. When you deal with that stuff, it's, that's not God. God is a God of covenant. Hello? God is a God of covenant. If you read Romans 12, 1 and 2, he talks about the soul, that you would change the mind and, and that his will would be done. Mind, will, and emotions. If you look for somebody to please your soul, then you're looking for somebody to please the very thing that God wants to change. If you're looking for someone to please your soul, then you're looking, you're looking for someone to, 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 God wants to change your soul, your mind, the way you think, your will, your desires. And he needs to fix your emotions, because they're all jacked up sometimes. But your spirit man's born again by the blood of Jesus, amen? Your flesh has to die. Somehow, some other way, the flesh has to die. It's the soul that has to change. Whatever your soul agrees with, whether it agrees with the spirit or agrees with the flesh, that's the direction you'll go. Let us not walk in the flesh, but let us walk by the spirit. Then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk by the spirit. It's what your soul agrees with. If your soul agrees with the flesh, then you're going to walk in the flesh. If your soul agrees with the spirit, you'll walk in the spirit. And people that say, I want a soulmate, I want somebody to satisfy my soul, and God's going, why? That's what you, I want to change inside of you. That's the part that needs to be fixed. Because it's the way you think, what you believe, and your desires that's the problem. You start to change the way you think by the word of God, so you'll think like he thinks. That's a process. And as you think like he thinks, you'll start desiring what he desires. That's a process. See, God, God has, uh, our walk with God is a process. Once again, everybody wants the microwave thing and pop me in. I'm good to go. I'm all new. But we have these things that are deep buried inside of us that have been carrying on for generations because every three to four generations, so it can actually skip a generation and continue on. But what would happen if for those four generations we broke the curses? Think about that. Because the blessings carry on for thousands. The curses only carry on a few. But the enemy is there to make sure that it's passed down. He wants it to be, keep, continue on. See, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, church. We're fighting against the spirit realm. I got all these mints in my pocket. Get out of here. I'm making too much noise on me. We're fighting the spirit realm. So sometimes people go, they're, they're, they're problem be inside of people is we want to just love people and everything be mercy and grace but normally when you're dealing with people it's because you're not dealing with the person himself you're dealing with the spirit that they're agreed with 
It's what you agree with from the enemy is how you'll flow. The problem is you've got to stop agreeing with the enemy. Hello? Stop agreeing with the enemy. Stop agreeing with the way he wants to operate. If it's based on fear, except the fear of the Lord, then it's the enemy. If it's based on all, all these kind of things, look at the base and where it's coming from. You have to understand where it's coming from. When you understand where it's coming from, then you know how to deal with it. Amen? Uh, you can write this down. That which you will not take responsibility of is that which you'll never have authority over. That which you will not take responsibility of is that which you will never have authority over. You'll only have authority over the things you take responsibility of. How many ever heard of AA meetings? I've never been, but I've heard of stuff that they go through. What's the first thing you hear that they, they have to do? Is agree to the fact that they have a problem. Hello? If you don't agree to the fact that you have a problem in the first place, you'll never overcome that problem. You'll never have authority over that thing. It'll always, if you submit to that thing, then it will rule over you. You cannot rule over a thing until you make it submit to you. As long as you submit to it, it will have authority and rule over you. Y'all get that? And the only way you'll have authority over it is by taking responsibility of it. Yes, I agree that it's in my life. When you agree with it that it's in your life, that doesn't mean you've defeated it, but that means you're on the way to process and dealing with it. For instance, uh, I was born again. I was actually, we were, I was children's pastor, and I still had a slight problem with anger. I had an anger problem growing up and in my life that was not fun. And my wife used to tell me, you have an anger problem. No, I don't. Don't tell me I have an anger problem. And then one day God showed it to me by me seeing my eyes being open to it. See, my eyes were not open to it. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to the things that you do not see about yourself. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to the things that you don't see about yourself. Because there's things about all of us that we do not see that are not of God. And we need to see it so that we can deal with it. So, I went to, uh, after God showed it to me, and I was very humbled. I mean, I was broken when God showed it to me. I went to my pastor. I said, dude, we need to deal with this. So we were going to have a meeting that Saturday. And uh, so before the meeting, he prayed for me. And he did what he did about the spirit of anger. Now, this thing was a generational thing. Okay. My grandfather, he was a brick mason. He was about 5'9", but he had forearms about that big around. And at 70, 80 years old, I, was, I wouldn't mess with my grandfather. And he hits you one time, you're going to know about it because you'll wake up next week finding out that you got hit last week. 
And that wasn't no joke. He, he, was, he got very angry. And I saw, I was with my, he got very angry one day at a situation. My uncle came over, my grandmother called my uncle. My uncle's like 6'4", and he was a mason and all that kind of brick mason. And, and I looked and I said, Uncle Bob, I says, I ain't going out there because I'm kind of scared of Grandpa. He says, I ain't going out there either. <laughs> we'll just stay in here. And so he prayed and broke the spirit of anger. And then in the middle of the meeting, I started this uh, asthmatic type attack. And Libertado looked at me and says, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I can't breathe. This thing was choking me. So she said, Mike, and Mike turned around, and he dealt with it, cast it out, and boom, it was done, gone with. Now, that's not to say I never get angry, but now I have authority over it. But first, I had to recognize that I had it. And hello? I had to see that it was there. Then it had to be dealt with. Now you have authority over it. Before, I had no control over it. It just came out. And it was not fun to whoever was around me when it came out. So we have to ask, God, what, what, what is inside of me that's not of you? I, w- I was talking to uh, this man. When I've probably shared some of these things, but I'll do it all over again. It's okay. This guy that was an ex-biker, and uh, he was telling me how the Lord showed, took him and showed him Calvary and showed him Jesus hanging on the cross and the price that he paid for him. And he's sitting there. We're sitting at a dining room table in a friend's house, and he's sitting there telling me the story, and he's weeping. And he said this, he said, he said, uh, the Romans and the Jews killed him. And when he said that, the Holy Spirit jumped up inside of me and said, no, they didn't. So my ears on this, my spirit ears just, okay, Lord, what are you saying? He says, he, they could not kill him. He died. Even the scripture says that he laid his life down. He gave his life up, amen? But then the Holy Spirit said this to me, which I needed explanation. He says, it was impossible for them to kill him. What? Excuse me? It was impossible for them to kill him. All right, we need some explanation here, Holy Spirit. Because even scientists prove that at the whipping post, you and me would be dead. You know, we've seen movies about, you know, and and some movies that are very graphic, and I don't think none of them even come close to touching what truly happened on that whipping post. We would, every one of us would have been dead laying there at the whipping post. Science has proven that. So why could he go from the whipping post to carrying a cross partway to where he was going, then being nailed on the cross and still living for another three hours? And the Holy Spirit said this. He said, because death was not in him. Excuse me? Because death was not in him. Hello, it makes sense. Jesus had no sin, therefore there was no death inside of him. Therefore you could not kill him, period. He could not be killed. He had to lay his life down. Amen? Then he said this, that's why I want to get out of you, because see, we were made in the image and likeness of God. He says, I don't have to recreate you he says, I just need to remove out of you what's not of me. Then you automatically look like me. 
See, it's the junk that's not of him that we have inside of us that makes us that we don't rise and shine. You kind of rise and part way and kind of glimmer and every once in a while you get a little woo. But we need to shine, church. We need to shine. We need to get the stuff out so the light comes in. How many of y'all were here when I talked about, it, it, was, it was the last time I spoke even, about the, the, the sun and the earth and how you see darkness? But it's only those things that have substance that the sun shines upon to give light. Otherwise, in the universe, what do you see? Darkness. But it's only the things that have substance to them that, that the light, when it hits it, it reflects off of. See, Jesus is a light, and when there is substance of Christ himself inside of us, then it reflects off of us, and others can see the substance. Because I ask, God, why, why if you're, David says, you're even, wherever I go, you're there, then why is there darkness? Because there's no substance of him. So in people, when there's darkness in the side of a person, it's because there's no substance of him inside that person. Hello? But when there's substance of him inside of us, then he has something to reflect off of. So, um, when we had this last conference, uh, two, uh, one guy we knew, another guy we just met, we have some friends from Ohio, these five guys, and three of them are married, whatever. And, but I met these five guys up on Fern Mountain about three years ago or so. And uh, we just kind of hit it off. And so uh, two of these guys came. The one guy, like I said, I hadn't met before, but the one guy and then this new guy came. And so that Saturday night, we're like, well, we didn't get to spend time together. So we said, let's go head to a restaurant and hang out. So, you know, Applebee's and... It's open kind of late, so we went to Applebee's. Leverada and I and these two guys sitting there at Applebee's, 10.30 at night. Young lady walks up, waitress. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the outside, I just look at her, and she goes, I'm trying to remember exactly how she said, she says, why are you looking into my soul? I'm not, I'm not kidding. This is what this girl told me. I, I didn't say one. I, maybe I said hi, good evening, whatever, or good morning. Sometimes I mess with them and I stay good morning. You don't even know it's 10 o'clock at night. Why are you looking into my soul? I feel like you're pulling my soul out of me. And I'm going, oh, this is cool. What are you doing, Lord? And the guys are sitting there like, <laughs> the Lord does this crazy stuff sometimes with me, and I just sit there and go, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just sitting here. But she's telling me, you're looking in my soul and you're pulling my soul out of me. What's going on? Who are you? So uh, um, I ended up praying with her. Found out her mom's been trying to get her to go to church and these things and, you know. But because of what God's done inside of me, amen? And what God's done inside of you. That's... That's what it's supposed to look like. That we don't have to say a word. We don't have to say anything. But the very 
power, presence. That's how, what drew them to Jesus. Jesus wasn't knocking on everybody's door going, hey, come follow me. He called the 12, but then he walked, and they came. Why? Why did they come? Because of the power, the presence, and the love of God. Hello? That's why they came. That's what should be drawing them to us, is the power, the love, and presence of God. And how do people see the power and presence? Because God gets on there and starts buffing all the garbage out of you. Amen? But if we don't let it happen, if we don't recognize, if we don't say, God, what is inside of me that you want out of me? Get this junk out of me so I can shine like you want me to shine. But we have to understand the spirit realm and quit feeding the, uh, the, the ungodly spirits. How do you feed the spirits? You satisfy what they, what they want to do. I'll give you a, an example. This is the example I like to use. It's the example of the uh, rejected spirit. What is the job of a spirit of rejection? The job of a spirit of rejection, if a person has a spirit of rejection, the whole job of that spirit is to make somebody else angry at that person so that that person will make it look like, and it'll look like that they're rejected. That person will get mad at this person, and the spirit says, see, they rejected you. Hello? See, the problem is, is these spirits, it's not you. It's like a spirit of fear. It's not your fear. It's the spirit's fear that's being portrayed or, or, or being, uh, uh, he's putting it on you. He's cast, that spirit of fear is casting his fear upon you. And then you receive the fear and you accept it for being yours. And then you live in that fear. Well, as far as I know, the word of God says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Amen? So we don't have to accept the fear or the rejection or anything. This is how I say it. If it don't come from here, I don't receive it. If it doesn't come from God, I don't receive it. If it's not his word, I don't receive it. It's just like UPS. They brought, drop off a package to your house and you don't want it. What do you do? Return to sender. I don't want it. I don't want your rejection. I don't want your fear. I don't want the doubt, the unbelief, and all that garbage, the lack, and all that junk. I don't want it. Unless it lines up with his word, I don't want it, period. So if you have something going on in your life, whatever it is, find the word that's opposite. What did Jesus do? Go to, because there's another point that I want to bring up on that. Luke. Four, Luke 4. Go to Luke 4 while I'm talking. Um, so the, whole, the, the, the enemy comes, and Jesus said exactly that. It is written. What did he do? He didn't bring out some random scripture. He brought out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is not your sword. Break your heart. This is not your sword. It's the sword when it comes out of your mouth. What does it say in Revelation? And out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. 
Because you can have the biggest Bible from 500 years ago that your great, great, whatever grandpappy passed down, and it's all mother of pearl and all this gold leaf and all this other stuff, and if it just sits on the shelf in your house, it does no good. It's just a book. Until it gets inside of here and does something inside of here and changes this in here, then it's powerful. But if it does not change you, then what good is it? Just like vitamins sitting on the shelf. If you never take them, they ain't going to do you no good. So Jesus takes the sword of the Spirit, and he doesn't see. A lot of people just go, I have the shield of faith, I have the shield of faith. And next thing you know, they're laying on the floor with all these darts, which are lies. And they're laying on the floor going, I got faith, I got faith, I got faith. I'm being so beat up. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to cry. But they never pull the sword out. The sword is to attack back. That's an offensive weapon. The other stuff is defensive. The sword is offensive. You pull the sword out, you find a scripture which is contrary to the attack, and then you attack back. Turn this stone into bread and you can eat. It is written, God, that the, the, the uh, man shall not live by word, uh, bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Thank you. And an exact opposite. And, and then he took him up and showed him on a high place. And then this. And he, every time it was an exact opposite. Amen? That's why we need to have the word. So I look at us, each and every one of us, kind of like a, you're a city amongst yourself. But the problem with our cities is we have broke down walls. And we have areas of easily attacked from the enemy. Cracks and holes in our walls. So we need to know where the cracks and the holes and the walls are broken. And then we do like Nehemiah. You put the word of God to rebuild the wall with the sword in one hand, rebuilding the wall with the other hand. Why? So that you can, as you're fixing what needs to be fixed, you can attack. So you need to know what your weaknesses are. So you can have something there to attack back. So while you're rebuilding that wall, it's all, it, it's all takes time. It, it, it does take time. It's okay. So we need to have the word of God ready to attack back. Amen? Therefore, it's, it's not just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So many times we get just half the scripture. Back it up. Therefore, submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil, and then he'll flee. We've, we, sometimes we forget about uh, submitting to God. It's kind of important. So over here in Luke chapter 3, or chapter 4, at the end it says this, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until what? An opportune time. So the enemy knows once you kick it out, the enemy doesn't go, well, I'm defeated, I'm done, I gotta go, I can't come back. What is he gonna do? If he did it with Jesus, you know he's gonna do it with you. He's gonna look for a time that your doors are open and you allow it to come back in. Hello? 
So even though you kick them out, now you got to go. So here's why God wants a couple reasons why he wants you to see what it is. Well, just God, just remove it out of me and, and it'll be all done with, right? So side note, probably about 98, I'm guessing. We're in service. I'm sitting on the front row and the Holy Spirit shows up. And uh, my pastor walks over, grabs a box of tissues, and comes and stands right in front of me. And I went, because I knew when he did something like that, and you knew that God's going to do something. And I'm going, what's going to happen? He stands there for, I don't know, about a minute, and he puts the tissue down, turns around, walks away. Okay. About two minutes later, another guy comes up and stands up, and the power of God hits me. Bam. And God came upon me like a big giant backhoe. Now, if you don't know what a backhoe is, it's one of those things that dig the dirt. And it was like a big giant backhoe started digging stuff out of my belly so deep. It was not fun. I don't know, about 20 minutes worth. I couldn't cry hard enough. I couldn't yell hard enough. I couldn't. It hurt. It hurt. I mean, when I talk about pain... I had knee surgery in 90 on this knee. And when they sent me home, it was arthroscopic surgery, scraped the back of the kneecap, did this, cut that, did this. When they sent me home, they didn't send me home with any medication. So my wife had to go to get some Percocets for me. While she was gone for three or four hours, the anesthesia is wearing off. I'm looking at a nurse and going, yeah, that was fun. And that pain, fresh operation like that, had nothing on what God was digging out of me. It hurt. And she, she was trying to call 911. She was like, we need to call 911 because she thought I was dying or having a heart attack or something. It was just God digging up stuff out of me. Like an old, dredging an old swamp of just junk. And it was going on, I don't know, if, I, I have no idea how long. I'm guessing 15, 20 minutes. I couldn't cry any harder. I couldn't scream any harder. My stomach hurt. And I told God, I said, God, you got to stop because I, I feel like I'm going to die. Now I look back and, I, and I, I go, man, I shouldn't have had God stop. But it hurt too much to even go through what he was doing. And some people say, well, why doesn't God just dig it all up and get rid of it all? He can't. Because it'll kill you. It'll literally kill you if he dug it all out, up all, all at one time, scooped it all out, and got rid of it. Because it's so deep-rooted inside of you that it takes time to dig it out. Hello? I'm telling you, what I had inside of me, I felt like it was going to kill me. As he was digging it out, the hurts, the pains, whatever it was that he was digging out. I, I mean, seriously, I, it, it was just like, God, you got, I kept saying, God, you got to stop. You got to stop. I can't handle no more. You got to stop. You got to stop. I can't, I can't do this no more. It hurts too much. But what if I would have let him continue on? I probably wouldn't have to deal with a whole lot of stuff that I've had to deal with over the years. Amen? Why did he do that? Because he wanted to get down to some, the root of some of this stuff and get it out of me. 
but we just go, God, just do a poof over me. Sprinkle some fairy dust. Ooh, ooh, I'm good. But God wants you to see what's going on, okay? Because many things he, he, want, he sh- showed me what it was before he dealt with it. Why? If you don't see it, then you will never recognize it when it tries to come back. If you see what it is when he, before he deals with it and gets it out, then when it tries to come back, you will recognize what it is. Number two, you will recognize it in other people. I recognize things in other people because I've had to deal with so much junk in my life. People say, many people have told me, well, I don't know if I want, you want to hear all this and of my testimony. And I go, look, don't even worry about it. Because I've been through so much junk in my life and dealt with so much junk in my life that your, your stuff is sometimes just looks like, oh, that's it? But he wants to, you to see it, so you recognize it, so you see it in other people, and that you'll deal with it properly and not let it come back in. Now, a lot of people have heard the saying, well, if you never have been through this thing and dealt with this thing, then you can't minister to somebody who has gone through that thing, whatever it is. And that's not true. But here is a piece of that that is true. If I've never gone through it, okay, then I, I, I can minister to that thing, to that person, and deal with that thing, but when I've gone through it and dealt with it and gotten set free, I now have a key in the Spirit that I can only obtain by going through it. So what happens is, now I can come and I can just go, watch this, click, a lot easier than having to go, okay, let's go through this and let's deal with that and do this. I have seen those things that I've gone through, I've seen them being broke off of other people so much easier, so much faster because of what I went through. So, but I can, I can minister to, you know, my wife and I can sit and minister to anybody on anything. But the things that we've gone through, we see them break very easy, very quickly. Because we have an authority over it, because we took responsibility of it, now we have an authority over it. You see what I'm saying? That's why you have to go through that. That's why you have the, he wants, he wants you to see what you're dealing with, so you become powerful. God doesn't want us to be a bunch of wimpy people. God wants us to be powerful. And he has ways for us to do that. And he wants to take the time and work those ways through you, and he will. But you've got to surrender and submit to him. This morning, God woke me up, and I, I didn't sleep well last night, and I was wake up and whatever, and then God speak to me, and how many ever been angry before? How many ever lied before? No. Um, but we know there's a righteous anger, right? And there's an unrighteous anger. Righteous anger happens when unrighteous things take place. Let me say that again. Righteous anger happens when unrighteous 
things take place. In other words, if you see something happening to somebody unrighteously, okay, someone being mugged or whatever, there's a righteous anger that rises up and says, that, no, 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 that can't happen. Unrighteous anger comes when your will doesn't happen. Unrighteous anger comes when your will doesn't happen. When it doesn't go my way, I get angry because I want it to go my way. Amen? Ask God, start looking for what is the root of this thing. My wife and I have been teaching this for years. Deal with the root of stuff. If you get a hold of the root of it, deal with it, then you'll, you won't have to sit there and deal with it for the next 20 years. Grab that thing by the root, pull it up, and kill it, and get rid of it. And the, the way to deal with the root is dealing with the source of it, which is always, it comes, anything that's not of Christ has a demonic spirit influence behind it. Huh? Yeah. If it's not of Christ, if it's not doesn't look like Jesus, if it's not perfect, Adam and Eve were perfect, hello? Amen? Hello? Adam and Eve were perfect. When they sinned, then unrighteousness came in. So if it's not, doesn't look like Christ, then it has a demonic influence to it. Somehow, some way. I'm not saying you're full of demons. I'm saying they're influencing you somehow, some way. And the way they influence you is by you agreeing with them. You agree with what they say and what they want and what they do. God needs your agreement. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. God wants you to agree with him. See, if you start agreeing with the scriptures, then you'll start breaking off the agreement with the ungodly things. Amen? But you've got to agree with what God says. If you're agreeing with fear, stop agreeing with the fear and say, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind. I had to break off fear. And I had to battle that. You know how I battle it? With the sword of the spirit. Praying in the spirit. God has not given me a spirit of fear. And you know how many times I said it? A lot. The first time I had to say it, I was over and 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 over again. Until what? Until one day it finally broke. See, Jesus only had to say it one time, but he was perfect. We're so jacked up that it takes a thousand times one day, and a thousand times the next day, and a thousand times the next day, and 999 times the next day, and the next day, and the next day, until finally one day you, you come into a true agreement that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Hello? Now I agree with God does not give me a spirit. What do I have to fear? If I fear God, Jesus didn't walk in fear. Hello? What did he fear of? Well, they're going to push him off the mountain. Nope. I'm going to turn around and walk away. They're going to do this. Nope. That ain't happening. How are we going to pay for the temple tax? Go get your fish. First fish you catch, there'll be a coin in there. Go pay it with that. What? Worry has to do with fear. Worry has to do with burdens. And I said this not long ago. 
when you look up that word burdens, I don't know about all the places, but it has to do with birthing in Ishmael. Because a burden is something that you're carrying that you're trying to fulfill yourself and not letting God do it himself. So you carry this burden. How am I going to make this happen? Well, if you could have made it happen, you would have made it happen already. So why are you carrying it? Did God create you to carry that burden? No. What will you carry it to carry? His love, his joy, his peace, his presence, his anointing. But I'm carrying all this stuff. Why? Why are we carrying it? Well, because if I don't, nobody else will. Well, God will carry it because Jesus says, cast your cares upon me and I will care for you. Amen? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you because it's easy and it's light. And we yoke ourselves to all this other stuff of the world and worry and fear and fret and all this other stuff of the world and then we wonder why we're dragged down, beat up, and not doing a lot. We need to understand the spirit realm and how it operates and functions. These things are rooted in the spirit realm. Well, brother, that's just how I am. Well, if it ain't like Christ, it needs to change. That goes for all of us. If it's not like Christ, it needs to change. Period. It's not that difficult. The difficult part is surrendering, submitting, and allowing God to do what he wants to do inside of us. But if we let him buff us out enough so that when we walk into Walmart, when we walk into a store, a restaurant, and somebody cried, the demons start crying out because they see Christ. See, in the spirit realm, you're marked already. If you're born again, if you have Jesus, you're already marked by the blood of Jesus in the spirit. And the demons know it. But you know what they also know? They know that you don't really know it. They know that you really don't believe it because they can see you walk and they see what shines and they can see that you really don't believe it. If you really don't believe that that this powerful creator of the universe, his spirit, his breath, his life is inside of me, the very thing that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me, and it can change the world. If you don't realize that inside of you, then what good are you? Because even the enemy knows what's inside of you. But he knows you don't know how to use that weapon. But when you know how to use that weapon, when he sees that you know that you see, he gets scared. Jesus didn't tell that demoniac. That demoniac came running to him. What do you have to do with me? It's not my time. But we have to get the junk out because that junk is what disrupts the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's like an old drain. A brand new drain, brand new pipes all the way down. It's just going to... But over 40, 50 years, that drain gets all clogged and all cluttered up. If you never clean that drain out, it just... Now you're going, Holy Spirit, move through me. And he's going, I'm trying to, but there's just a little tiny people I can get through. Yeah, but move through me, Holy Spirit. And then when he does, it's like, whoa... 
And he's going, but if you'd let me clean up that drain, if you'd let me clean up the pipes, I can flow through a lot more. Because Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. Our measure is because of the junk we have inside of us. It's kind of like a jar and you fill it up with rocks. You say, is the jar full? And some people say, yes, it's full. Then you put small rocks in there, pea rock, and then you put sand and finally water. And it's finally full. And we go, well, I'm, I'm full. Yeah, you're full, but the problem is there's, there's so many rocks that you really, you really only have that much in the bottom if you took all the rocks out. Now, I'm not saying everybody's like this. What I'm saying is understand that we got problems and we need help. <laughs> and we need God to do a great mighty thing inside of us so that our, we can arise and shine and our light can come because that's what changes the world, people. That's what makes them come running. It's like bugs to a light. It's like, why? I don't know what it is in you, but I, that's just like the girl going, why are you looking at my soul? I wasn't looking at her soul. But the Holy Spirit in me was crying out and saying, you need to come home. I just sat there. I was almost laughing because I'm like, oh, you know what's going on? I'm just here. But the Holy Spirit's going, young lady, come home. My mom has been trying to get me to go to church. Didn't know what she said? I said, well, here's our church. I said, go tell your mama you met this crazy dude from church, a pastor. I said, no, I'm a pastor. Go tell him you met this crazy pastor at the, at the restaurant and come, you know. I haven't seen her, but that's okay. God will work in her. And I, yeah, I, and I prayed for her. Well, listen, it's not my job to bring him into the kingdom. It's my job to cast a net where he says cast a net. I didn't even cast a net. I was just sitting there hanging out. And he shows up. Amen? But that's our goal, is that we would just show up and he would do something mighty through us. And that's what he wants to do. It ain't about you and me. It's just you and me being in, in his will. And letting him do what he wants to do and wreck people's lives and be glorified. Amen? 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 Come on, smile for me. I'm not beating y'all up. We got to get excited. I try to go in these places with joy, with peace and love, because that's what I want to so I want to give joy, peace, and love. And maybe some of that will stick on them or something. I don't know. Why not? They get a bunch of crazy, hard people the rest of the day. People that throw stuff. I mean, we've seen people at restaurants. It's like, oh my goodness, are you serious? Left tips for people that wouldn't leave tips. Try that someday. Seriously. We came in, the years ago it was an IHOP. Went into an IHOP, and we saw this family coming out. How many kids did they have? Five kids. And it, that place looked like a tornado hit it. I ain't joking. It, I mean, there's stuff all over the floor, all over the table. I mean, it looked like a, it was just a what in the world? Did they leave anything? They left zero. 
They left no tip. Five kids, parents, and no tip, and a wreck. And here's the waitress standing there weeping. Because she's got to clean all this up now. And she gets nothing for it. Do you know what we did? We made a, I don't know what, I have no idea what we did, but I know we gave her a big tip to hopefully cover that table and our table. That's a lot of money. If it takes an extra 20 or 40 bucks to get somebody and, and they get saved because of it, I'll give them 100. Hello? Stop looking at money like it's all that important. God can bring you money. It's easy. Money, food and money is easy for God to get us. Clothing, too. It's easy. We think it's so hard. It's easy. So we try to sow into people and bless people. Why? If it changes their lives, if they don't know God, and then they say, why did you do this? And it opens a door for me to preach the gospel. And they become born again because of a little bit of something I did. Then to me, it's well worth it. Amen? Hello? It's well worth it. That's called laying up treasures in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all stand with me. Hallelujah. He came for a purpose, amen? And that purpose is so we can be changed, amen? Can, can, can you play something for me, please? For God, don't play it for me, play it for him. You know what I mean. You just don't want to be in there, do you? <sighs> Lord, do something in us. Do something in me, Lord. <sighs> Those things that are not of you, Lord, I give you permission to come and pull them out of me. Take out of me, Lord, what, that which is not of you and replace it with that which is of you, Lord, the fruit of the Spirit. Replace it with your love, your joy, your peace, your goodness and kindness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, your long-suffering, your self-control, Lord. Let me live and operate in the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. Take out the fear, Lord. Replace it with love. Take out the discontent and replace it with joy. Do you know that's the opposite of joy is discontent? Paul said that whether I'm a base or a bound, I, I'm content. Because if you're not content, you'll never have joy. It's the, discontent is, is opposite of joy. So if you want to walk in joy, you've got to be content in where you're at. Why don't I have any joy? Well, are you content where you're at? Are you content with what you have? Shakata 
Come, Holy Spirit, and do it inside of each and every one of us. Sweep through this place, Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, reveal the things to us. If the Lord's revealing stuff to you like right now about what's going on, don't, don't just cast it out. But say, Lord, what, what do I need to do to deal with this? If he's revealing things inside of you about things that should not be there, then ask him, Lord, what, what's going on? What do I need to do about this? How do I need to handle this? What do I need to do? If you all have any questions about that, come ask my wife and I. We'll have, this is part of what we do. It's, it's so much. I, I get blessed so much just by people seeing, getting people set, set free and healed. Don't accept, well, that's just who I am. If it's not Christ, then don't be that way. If it's like Christ, then that's who you are. But be like Christ. Be like Jesus. Amen? Be like Jesus. I seen a shirt that says, uh, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. I said, Amen. But we need to be like Jesus, amen? We need to walk in his love and his joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, let this be a year of joy. Lord, teach us your joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Say that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Stir it up. Stir these things up inside of you. Don't let them lay dormant. Stir them up and walk in them. Stir up the joy. Stir up the joy. Stir up the peace. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Don't let it lay dormant. Don't let it just lie there. Stir it up. Stir it up. Look to the good things. Look at, you know, keep reminding yourself of what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Woo! Yes, Lord. I can get excited just by thinking about what he's done for me. Amen? How he saved my life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the alcohol should have killed me, he saved my life. When the craziness could have killed me, the drugs could have killed me, he saved my life. And I didn't even know him back then. I wasn't even walking with him, and he still saved my life so I can be here today with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Rejoice a little bit. It's the, it's the time of Merry Christmas. Not bah humbug, but Merry Christmas. Have a little joy. Put a little pep in the step. Have a little, stir it up a little bit. Come on. Y'all can be loud. Y'all can be a little radical. It's okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Woo. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing it in me. Woo.
Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Come on. It's, the, the song goes, joy to the world. We should have some joy because he was born. We should have some joy because what he's done in our lives. Amen? Amen? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Amen? Just be like Jesus. <laughs> Woo! I don't know about y'all, but it's hot up here. Woo! Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> I wish he'd hurry up so I can go eat something. Oh, come on. Come on. They're, 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 they're waiting lines out there anyways. Don't worry about it. We'll wait a little bit longer. When we get there, there'll be nobody in line. We'll just walk right in and get something to eat. It's okay. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Glory. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're stepping out of this old year with joy, stepping in the new year with joy, walking in your peace, your love, and your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did y'all stretch your hand out? Can I pray for you, brother?